Nearly 10 canceled plane tickets later, an American woman flees China. She spent more than two months trapped in the country. The head of the World Health Organization gets censored in China over comments he made on Beijing's virus handling. Hundreds of millions of dollars wiped out from U.S. and Asian markets, all because of a label one American bank slapped on Chinese internet firms. And with fighter jets and warships on the move, Beijing is testing Taiwan's nerves. That's just 10 days before President Biden will visit Asia. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. After more than two months in limbo, one American finally waves goodbye to China's COVID-19 lockdown. She made it back home after her flight out of China got canceled about a dozen times. She expressed concerns that she'd be trapped forever in China. I'm on the final leg of my journey here, and I just wanted to say a quick goodbye to everyone in China. There's a lot of really lovely people here. Um, and I hope that you guys survive these lockdowns with as little pain as possible. For the last 65 days, American Laura Hudson has been on a mission to leave China. She quit her teaching job in China's northeastern city of Changchun on March 8 for reasons unrelated to the global health crisis. But the city announced a lockdown three days later. That's when the city shut down all public transportation, including its airport, and ordered its 9 million residents to stay home. This kept Hudson confined to her apartment for most of March and April without a functioning hot water heater. She spent most of her time writing a book, figuring out how to buy food and working out ways to get a flight out of China. Just trying to figure out how to how to move so that maybe I can leave sometime before I die. After Changchun lifted its lockdown and a number of canceled plane tickets, Hudson flew out of Changchun on Wednesday morning to Beijing. There, she caught another plane that afternoon, a flight that will eventually bring her to Los Angeles. Reflecting on what it took to leave and how many tickets were canceled before she boarded her flight, she said, I counted it up and it's like roughly, you know, eight or nine tickets altogether. I don't think I will leave the United States for quite a long time after I get back, to be honest. NTD News, New York. The head of the World Health Organization is calling out Beijing's zero COVID-19 policy, describing it as being unsustainable. He's pushing China to shift its course on virus handling. But the comments have stirred both anger and what looks like a new wave of censorship from Beijing. Let's take a look. The head of the World Health Organization, or WHO, appears to be getting censored in China. That's after he made comments questioning the country's zero COVID-19 policy. Uh, when we talk about the zero um, COVID strategy, uh, we don't think that it's sustainable considering the behavior of the virus now and what we anticipate uh, in the future. Tedros made the comments during a media briefing on Tuesday. They mark a rare case of division between the WHO and Chinese policies. And China's two largest social media platforms, Weibo and WeChat, seem to be censoring them. A Weibo hashtag featuring Tedros's name has also been censored, along with images of his face. Social media reports say a related article has been blocked on WeChat and unable to be shared. Beijing responded to the WHO during a news briefing the following day. Officials called Tedros's comments irresponsible. Beijing's disagreement with the WHO comes with curious timing. 
Days before Tedros made his statement, Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping promised to uphold the policy. He added Beijing would, quote, resolutely struggle against disapproval of it. More than 300 million people in China are under partial or total lockdown. Confined to their homes, many are only allowed to leave the house in order to get tested for the infection. In a number of areas, mass rounds of virus testing are being done on a daily basis. Shanghai is already entering the seventh week under lockdown. Beijing is also tightening its rules, prompting concern from residents that Beijing could be headed in the same direction as Shanghai. U.S. investment bank J.P. Morgan recently labeled Chinese Internet companies uninvestable. The title wiped out about $200 billion from American and Asian stock markets. But the bank is now calling it an editorial error. Don Ma talks to an expert to break down what's happening behind the scenes. According to sources, the label uninvestable was never meant to be released. J.P. Morgan's editorial staff wanted the word uninvestable to be removed from the reports and be replaced with unattractive. But due to an error or oversight, the word uninvestable still slipped into some reports. Analyst Christopher Balding, founder of research company New Kite Data Labs, says J.P. Morgan has a conflict of interest. On one hand, the investment bank doesn't want to upset Chinese companies or authorities. And on the other hand, it also has the responsibility to investors to be clear on the risks of investing in Chinese companies. J.P. Morgan faces an enormous uh, conflict of interest. If you criticize China, the economic outlook or the accounting standards or whatever, uh, there's a very good probability that you could be cut off from all Chinese business. The label that Chinese internet companies are uninvestable was determined by independent analysts at J.P. Morgan. Is it considered irresponsible for editorial staff who don't have the expertise of analysts to change what the analysts say about investment risks. It's definitely known that they, the editorial staff is there to massage words so that, uh, so that they uh, come off much more polite than what, uh, than what they say. They're much more trained in uh, helping to avoid political minefields uh, and wordsmithing so that words uh, are, let's say, softened. Balding says that in an ideal world, J.P. Morgan shouldn't soften words. However, he also says that professional investors already know this fact and won't be misled. Investors know that uh, that uh, a buy is not really a buy. A hold is more of a sell, and a sell means you know get out of this company as fast as possible. You know, professional investors, for the most part, know that those words might be softened. A J.P. Morgan spokesperson said that whether the word uninvestable or unattractive is used in the report, they stand behind it, also saying that the two words are interchangeable. On the surface, these two words have completely different meanings, but to a professional investor, Balding says, they mean basically the same thing. To the professional investor, they absolutely understand uh, that those that those terms are nearly interchangeable. Professional investor is going to read J.P. Morgan research and say, I know I've met the analyst. The analyst can't say uninvestable, but when they say this, that basically means don't invest in this company. One possible reason why J.P. Morgan labeled some Chinese internet companies uninvestable could be Beijing's regulatory crackdowns, which wiped out billions of dollars from the sector. Don Man, NTD News. 
J.P. Morgan is strongly involved in the Chinese market. Last year, it became the first foreign bank to get approval from Chinese authorities to fully own a securities venture in the country. The Chinese military is flexing its muscles on Taiwan. That's just 10 days before President Biden's visit to Asia. A Chinese fighter jet flew slightly across the midline of the Taiwan Strait, closer to Taiwan than China. The midline indicates an unofficial buffer zone between Taiwan and the mainland. Beijing sees Taiwan as part of China and has threatened to take control of it by force. That's despite Taiwan having its own democratically elected leaders, a constitution and military. The U.S. does not have formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan, but Washington is required by law to provide arms to Taiwan so that it can defend itself. China has told the U.S. that Taiwan is the most sensitive issue in its relationship with Washington. The Chinese fighter jet crossed the midline just days after the U.S. State Department adjusted wording on its website. The language describes the U.S. relationship with Taiwan. The previous version made two statements. One is the United States recognized the government of the People's Republic of China as the sole legal government of China, acknowledging the Chinese position that there is but one China and Taiwan is part of China. The other states that the United States does not support Taiwan independence. Both statements were removed in the updated version, though the State Department said there is no change to the one China policy. Back to the Taiwan Strait, Beijing is not only hitting Taiwan's nerves. Japan's defense minister says eight Chinese warships cross the Miyako Strait and then enter the Pacific Ocean. The Miyako Strait is a sensitive location. It's not far from Taiwan and is situated between two of Japan's islands. Also near this area, Japan says Chinese fighter jets took off and flew back to an aircraft carrier over a hundred times, a steep increase from past exercises. The U.S. is also paying close attention. The same day the Chinese fighter jet crossed the midline, an American warship also sailed through the Taiwan Strait. President Biden will visit South Korea and Japan later this month. It's his first trip to Asia since becoming president. Renewing his pledge to fight inflation, President Biden on Tuesday sharpened his midterm message. In it, he said he believes one of the factors causing U.S. inflation is tied to China. Let's look at his remarks. Uh, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously. President Biden is renewing his pledge to fight inflation. This as gas prices hit a fresh all-time high of $4.37 a gallon, according to a Tuesday report by AAA. And the president is blaming two things. It is a once-in-a-century pandemic, a second cause, Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, as part of his plan to ease inflation, Biden says he's weighing cuts to tariffs on China. Will you drop former President Trump's China tariffs? We're discussing that right now. Beijing is accusing the Group of Seven of interfering in China's internal affairs. The reaction comes after an expression of concern by the Seven Nations over the selection process for Hong Kong's new chief executive.
The Group of Seven, also known as G7, is an international forum that includes some of the globe's richest economies. The G7 said on Monday that the selection process for a new chief executive in Hong Kong underscores wider worries about fundamental freedoms in the former British colony. China responded Tuesday, describing the remarks as an attempt to, quote, maliciously smear the selection of a new chief executive and said G7 members had colluded with each other to do it. John Lee was endorsed for Hong Kong's top job on Sunday by a committee stacked with pro-Beijing officials. Lee was the sole candidate and received over 99 percent of the committee's vote. The rest of Hong Kong's 7.4 million people had little say in choosing their leader, despite China's promises to grant Hong Kong democracy. Coming up, the Biden administration considers the Chinese communist regime the biggest threat to the West. But is the U.S. ready for a possible fight? The former defense secretary reveals his perspective. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The Chinese Communist Party is looking closely at the war in Ukraine and what it can learn from that conflict for its own dealings with Taiwan. If Beijing opts to invade the island, the U.S. would likely be Taiwan's most important partner. But is Washington prepared to take on that potential role? Former U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper revealed his stance on it in an interview with Fox. Look, I regard China as our number one strategic adversary in this century, and we need to prepare for that. And I don't think we are doing so sufficiently now. Esper said Taiwan should be thinking about how to improve its territorial defenses, how to up its defense budget, and how to buy the right equipment. He also expressed concern that people might get wobbly about Taiwan because it's half a world away. Taiwan says it can't afford new U.S. anti-submarine helicopters. Taiwan officials signaled last Thursday that the island had abandoned a plan to buy advanced warfare helicopters from Washington because they're too expensive. The plan was to buy 12 MH-60R helicopters made by Lockheed Martin. Recently asked about the issue in Parliament, Taiwan's defense minister said the price is too high beyond the scope of our country's ability. Two other arms purchases have also been delayed for self-propelled howitzer artillery systems and Stinger anti-aircraft missiles. Taiwan's defense minister said the country had already signed the contract for the Stingers and paid for them and would press the United States to deliver them. Meanwhile, he confirmed that Taiwan has backup plans, but didn't specify. Taiwan says the United States has offered alternatives to the Howitzer systems, like a type of truck-based rocket launcher made by Lockheed Martin called the High Mobility Artillery Rocket System. The defense minister went on to say Taiwan is still considering its options. A U.S. State Department spokesperson declined to comment on specifics. Taiwan is undertaking a military modernization program. It aims to improve its ability to fend off a possible Chinese attack, including with precision weapons like missiles. Tensions between self-rule Taiwan and the regime in Beijing have been escalating. China has vowed to conquer Taiwan by force if necessary. 
China's Ministry of Finance says it's removing import tariffs for all types of coal from this month until the end of March 2023. The announcement was made last week. Officials explain the rates for various types of coal will be cut down to zero from the current range of 5 to 6 percent. Since the Russia-Ukraine conflict began, Chinese coal mines have accelerated production due to soaring global energy prices. Last year, China imported about 8 percent of its total coal consumption. But its coal imports dropped nearly 25 percent from the first three months this year. Officials said that's due to the heightened prices. In April, the U.S., the European Union, Japan and others moved to ban Russian coal. That stretched the global coal market's already tight supply even more. In mid-April, China's National Development and Reform Commission emphasized the need for domestic coal price stability. A week later, Beijing announced the cut on coal import tariffs to zero. Analysts say Russia is likely the main beneficiary of Beijing's move. In early February, China and Russia signed a year-long deal. It's a $20 billion contract for China to import 100 million tons of coal from Russia. Chinese state-run media Global Times reported a nearly 30 percent surge in China-Russia trade in the first quarter, compared to the same period last year. China and Russia have been barred from a major military trade show in Sydney. It's known as the Indo-Pacific 2022 International Maritime Exposition. The event is attended by naval chiefs from 40 countries. China was invited to the conference in the past, but not this year. The Royal Australian Navy cited deteriorating relations as the reason for withholding Beijing's invitation. Russia was also not invited in response to the war in Ukraine. The exhibition is running from Tuesday to Thursday in Sydney's Darling Harbour. It will feature the latest technology and products from around 700 exhibitors, including undersea warfare and drones. The conference will also address the Beijing-Solomon Island Security Pact. That agreement could open the door for China to station naval forces in the South Pacific. Although the Solomon Islands denies those claims, a recent leak revealed that Chinese authorities are encouraging the country to build ports, shipbuilding facilities and boost clean energy development. A German media outlet says a COVID-19 expert is on Beijing's payroll and that the expert wrote key parts of a pandemic strategy document for the German government. Here's more. A paper entitled How We Get COVID-19 Under Control was written for the then Interior Minister in March 2020 and significantly influenced the COVID measures in Germany. It advocated for massive government intervention, including quarantine camps for infected people and psychological operations to instill fear in children. One of its authors, Otto Kobel, is a linguist at a university in Switzerland. He's an avowed fan of dictator Mao and was a language teacher in China. Kobo told the paper Dive Out he still believes that zero COVID is a good strategy for China and that he gets paid by the Chinese regime to help with what he called their communication problems. The German government official who hired Kobo said he didn't know about the connection. To end today's episode, we turn to the UK. A cross-party committee of lawmakers have issued a warning that British parliamentary groups are at risk of influence by hostile foreign actors. That's after one woman, who was instrumental in setting up a parliamentary group, was found to be a Chinese spy. Here's Jane Worrell with NTD's UK News with more. 
The Standards Committee recently called for reforms to parliamentary groups, saying they were at risk of improper lobbying by foreign actors. It followed revelations that a woman instrumental in setting up one of the now disbanded groups, called Chinese in Britain, was found to be a Chinese Communist Party agent. The Labour MP Barry Gardiner, former chair of the group, received more than £400,000 in donations from the woman, Christine Lee, as well as an all-expenses-paid trip to China. Standards Committee Chairman Chris Bryant said, Parliament always has and always will be a target for hostile foreign states, but with better regulation and transparency around these informal groups, we can ensure they continue to make a positive contribution to our democracy. He said that evidence the committee has gathered is chilling and points towards an urgent need for the House to take action. Research fellow Jack Bianchi has written about so-called friendship groups in Europe, which have been used as a front to advance Beijing's foreign policies. He says there's growing awareness of CCP influence in overseas politics. Elsewhere in Europe might not be familiar with the, the case of Christine Lee, even though that case has garnered a lot of attention within the UK. But, but other countries have had other instances of improper uh, Chinese Communist Party influence as well. And so I think uh, in general, consensus is growing about the need, especially in Western countries, the need to kind of regulate and, and track how foreign governments in general are trying to influence uh, domestic politics and, and how specifically the Chinese Communist Party might be trying to do that. MPs from the Standards Committee say that these informal parliamentary groups, which are called APPGs, need to be more transparent and there needs to be less of them. There are currently 744. The committee is now consulting on its proposals until mid-June before coming up with a final list of recommendations. Jane Warrell, NGG News, London. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Presenting the heritage of traditional Chinese martial arts, promoting martial ethics and reviving the true tradition. The 2022 NTD International Traditional Chinese Martial Arts Competition Preliminaries will be held in New York and Taiwan. On August 28th, the finals will be broadcast live online worldwide. Registration hotline 188-477-9228. For more information, please visit martialarts.ntdtv.com.